we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. I find, uh, I find our children and our students to be so inspirational in how they live their lives. And uh, I was sharing with them this morning how they literally change the atmosphere wherever they are. So we're grateful for the students that fill this space and what you bring. We're grateful for our kids. We're grateful for what God's doing in the midst of these ministries. So we are overjoyed to see God's hand on these ministries. My name is John. I want to welcome you to this space this morning. I am glad to see you. I'm glad to be with you. For those of you tuning in at home, we're grateful for you taking the time to experience the goodness of God with us. So may God meet you in your space as well. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to work our way through a text, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. So if you have your scriptures, open up to Ephesians 1, 3 through 10, and we're going to situate ourselves right in this particular section of a letter. Now, as we read this, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to pay careful attention to how the author talks about God, how God is described from his perspective because a lot about how we view God, how we talk about God, how we experience God filters into how we experience the world around us, how we experience relationships, how we experience ourselves. It's all directly connected. So it's really important as we read through this to ask ourselves the question, am I in alignment with what this person is writing and giving to the world? So let's read together and let's pay careful attention to how the author talks about God. He begins, praise be, to the good, for the, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now notice that what Paul is doing here is he's talking about something that's actually happening right now. He's not talking about the future. He's not talking about the past. He said this, all of this stuff that we just read is happening right now and that it's always happening and you think about how we talk as people. We have a tendency to either talk about the past or we talk about the future, but very rarely do we talk about what's actually happening in the moment, what we're experiencing in the here and now. And Paul situates us, he roots us in the present moment and says, pay attention to what actually is going on right now in the here and now in this moment. 
Now, as I listen to people, one of the things that I do, I, I attempt and I try my hardest to listen to people, actually listen to the words that they're saying. And what I've noticed over the years from listening to lots of different people is that people have a tendency to talk about God in very heavy ways, that God is disappointed in me, that God himself holds things against me and there's grudges and there's things that God holds on that I'm not sure where I stand with God. And many times these inner dialogues going on in people's stories are deeply embedded in their subconscious. So they're not always aware that these things, they're carrying around this heaviness about God and a relationship with God. And deep underneath that, there's anxiety and there's fear that we never quite know where we stand with God. And another observation as I listen to people is very often people's stories and people's narratives are centered in a fear narrative. There's, there's a lot of fear that drives us through life and that helps us inform how we make decisions. So all of those things are shaping and influencing the ways in which we interact with people in the world and our ideas about God. So if you think about how Paul begins his letter, he begins by giving us a divine image of who God is what God is up to in the world, what God is up to in our lives. And if you read the rest of the letter, it's interesting, the first three chapters to four chapters, Paul doesn't tell anybody what to do. He simply situates them and roots them into who they are and he reminds them. Because when people know who they are, you don't need to tell them what to do. They already know. Because it comes out of a space of perfect love. So Paul situates them in what is most real. And he situates them through a lens of perfect love. So three through eight really is kind of this lens that he invites us to look through and how we communicate and how we experience God. Then he shifts a bit in verses nine through 10. And he starts talking about these big ideas. And he talks about being in Christ and under Christ. So in and under, and he says something is happening to us right now, even here this morning, something is happening to us in Christ and under Christ, which then raises the question, who is this Christ that he's talking about? Now, if we go back to John's gospel and we step into the narrative of John's explanation of who Jesus is, he begins to describe the beginning of time. And so John begins his narrative around Jesus that he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he's talking about this bigger Christ. We could call this the cosmic Christ or a universal Christ. And he's reminding us that Jesus isn't somebody that God decided to drop late in the game in order to fix a problem. Jesus isn't a mechanism in order to fix a problem. This Christ was there in the beginning of time, speaking things into existence, bringing order out of chaos, woven into the fabric of the universe, the energy, the matter, all of it is this universal Christ. And then Paul comes along and he says, listen, this Christ, somehow all of your life, the bits, the pieces, the experiences, the disappointments, it's all somehow coming together and it's headed somewhere. So he describes this big idea, your life is actually unfolding towards something. And then he takes it even deeper and he says it's all being unified. Now this is an interesting word. Christ is bringing unity to all of the pieces and the fragments of your life story. And this expression of bring unity can actually be translated as to retell or to recapitulate. 
There's your two-hour word for, for the day. Recapitulation or a retelling. And here's where it gets fun. What Paul is doing is he's actually playing with the idea of Greek mathematics. So Paul's starting to talk about math and how these things come together. So we're going to do a little bit of math this morning. I'm going to throw out a series of numbers and ask you, does these, do these numbers mean anything to you? So here's the numbers. Ready? 400, 5, 20, 50, 25. Some of you are thinking those are my Powerball numbers. Those are the ones. That's, that's the winning combination right there. But if you look at those numbers and you think, well, those numbers don't mean anything. They don't signify anything. They're just a series of random numbers. If we take those numbers and we plug them into an equation, they'll get summed up and they'll actually equal something. So we're going to do a little bit of math. If you want to pull out your phone, that's fine if you need to use your calculator. But let me challenge you for a moment. Do we have any math wizards in the room? Anybody quite gifted at math? Mom just pointed at her son. Maybe, maybe we'll see. All right, here we go. You ready? 400 divided by 5. Are you with me? Times 20 divided by 50 minus 25 equals what? Anybody? Go. 315. Good try, though. Who said seven? Beth Lilstrom? How did you, did you use your phone? What a cheat. All right. Our executive pastor figured it out over here. Well done, Beth. All right. So all of those numbers, when put into equation, equal something. They seemed random at first, but then you put them into equation and they actually get summed up and they mean something. And I think what Paul is saying is that your life seemingly like disconnected at times, experiences, stories, things that you're going through, they all seem like random things. And yet somehow in and under Christ, they're coming together and they're going to get summed up and they're actually going to mean something. They're taking us somewhere. Now think about the fragments of your story for a moment. Fragmentation, disconnection, experiences, mundane, some of it exciting, some of it hard, your failures, your mistakes. Or how about all of the sacrifices where you poured out yourself into a relationship over and over and over again and it didn't, it didn't get you anywhere. What about all of that? Is that just floating around out there somewhere? What do you do with all of that? And what Paul is telling us is that somehow God is able to take all of it, retell it, recapitulate it, and actually sum it up into something meaningful and significant. Now, Let's think about how we tell stories for a moment. When you are telling a story or retelling a story, it's really important that you do not leave out the hard and the unfortunate parts of the story. Because if you do that, the story then loses its power. It no longer holds the same power if you take out all the flubs. So let's think about dinner parties for a moment. A couple years back, I'm at a dinner party. There's about 20 people around a table. And I was invited to this party with my wife, and we go, and I'm sitting next to my friend Chris. Everybody needs a friend named Chris, right? I'm sitting next to Chris, and the stories start happening around the table, and everyone around the table is talking about their successes and their achievements and ways in which they're just crushing it in life. And I'm like realizing as I'm listening, I'm getting really bored. And my friend Chris leans over to me and goes, I guess I need to get a more interesting life. And I'm like, exactly. 
But you think about stories that inspire us. Rarely do the stories of success and achievements and people are like, then I made my second million. And you're like, I'm checked out. And you're bored and you're not engaged. But then you think about the stories that actually inspire us where people don't leave out the hard and the unfortunate parts and leave out the, the icky parts of the story. Those are the engaging stories. So I'm at my 50th birthday party years back and I invite a group of friends together, all these guys, and some are from different circles. And I'm like, this is going to be just a tremendous night. And we're sitting around the table. We gather at six o'clock and we start telling stories and all the stories were about failures, mistakes, rejection, humiliation, dating flubs, all of the things that make life really interesting. And before we knew it, it was midnight. And the phone started ringing and everybody's partners were texting going, where the heck are you? We were like from 6 until 12. It was as if we stepped outside of the time continuum. Because we were so engaged in each other's stories and the mistakes and the failures and the mishaps. And all of it was very inspiring and we were gut laughing and we were having this magical experience. It was like we were in a flow. We stepped out of time. We were experiencing one another's stories and we found them to be quite inspirational because there's that sense in which, oh my gosh, you did that. I did that too. I can't believe you did that. And all of those moments turned into magical moments and spaces. So about three, four weeks ago, um, my wife and I had the privilege of sitting down with Cody and Beth Lilstrom. Beth is the one who just did the, the math wizard over here to my right. But Beth and Cody uh, went and they began to tell us their first kiss story and kind of the genesis of their relationship. And it's like, what a, what a crazy show. It, it's just an absolute disaster. Now, you two have been married for what, 59 years? How long has it been? 19, close, we're getting there. So something's working, but if you ever ask them about their first experience, the first kiss, that's supposed to be like, oh my God. And then I saw God after I kissed her. There's like something supposed to open up inside of us. And like, I've never experienced this before, but their story, oh my God, it was just a terrible beginning <laughs> and embarrassing. We're laughing and I'm thinking, my Lord, how did these two make it? So I'm, I'm going to suggest to you, Beth and Cody, maybe you guys should write a book and call it Dating God's Way. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. But their story, their story was so real. There were pieces of the story. I'm just going, as you get to know Beth and Cody, I'm like, this, this is a good story. These are actually inspiring stories. Why do these particular stories hold our attention? Why do they hold our attention? Why are they so engaging? Why do the failures and the mistakes and the mishaps and the ways in which we've experienced breakdown in our own psychology and in our own lives? Why is it that when somebody sits at the table and says, you know what, I gave up on the church, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, and I couldn't find meaning in it anymore. I tried and I tried and I tried, but I just, I gave up on faith. I gave up on the whole God thing. I gave up on my religion. I just couldn't do it anymore. And as you sit with people in those moments and those stories, and then they start to talk about how their experience of God is actually opening up in new spaces, and you're like, oh my gosh, you just went through this whole deconstruction of pulling everything apart, and now you're opening up, and you're experiencing more of life and more of God and more of love and compassion and something, even in those awkward moments. I'm going to be 55 
in just a couple of weeks, September 18th, by the way. So I wear a size 34, 34 and a large shirt. And I'm going to be 55. When we moved here last June, this was the third state we lived in one year. I mean, it has been crazy. And I wake up, I still wake up every morning and go, how in the heck did I get to Colorado? What am I doing here? Is it God? Is it me? Is it a combination of both? Like, what is it? And I find myself here living in this space where I didn't know anybody. I don't have any connections here. My wife and I just showed up and we got on the horse and we started riding. And I think of all like the last decade of my life, the hard spaces, those painful moments, rejection, all of those really like seemingly disconnected things, all of that is shaping who I am as a person. And what I'm finding and discovering is that somehow it's all coming together in Christ and it's opening me up into a more expansive person. It's like the container is actually getting bigger and holding more for others and for myself. And I'm opening up and all of the pain and the grief and the rejection and the humiliation, it's doing something, it's shaping me, it's forming me. And I remember years ago sitting with my therapist and asking the question like, man, it just, I kept using the word, this is just such a waste. Like all of this, that time I put into that project and it didn't pan out, such a waste. And she was so good to remind me, she says, John, we serve a God who wastes nothing. He doesn't do waste. Remember that. Hold on to that. Root yourself in that. This, this God doesn't waste anything. And that somehow this God is able to take all of that seemingly insignificant randomness and pull it together in and under Jesus and recapitulate and begin to retell it. And what I'm realizing is I walk with God and walk with people that actually the worst parts of my story are now becoming the best parts of my story. Those worst moments. And I'm realizing that when you wake up and you begin to retell your story and you don't leave out the hard, the hard parts of the story and you don't remove the painful pieces of your story, something opens up inside of you. And that when I retell my story through the lens of Christ, in and under Christ, somehow Christ is bringing it all together. I don't know how that works, but somehow it's all coming together. And that brings great comfort to my soul, knowing that all of this is coming together somehow. You think about people who struggle with addictions. And then they begin to face their inner demons. And then they step into that process of recovery and they begin telling their stories. And they go through that sequence of, I'm going to name the thing that actually is holding me. I'm going to own my part of it. And then I'm going to integrate it into my very being, into my soul. I'm not denying any of it. I'm leaving it all in there. So they, they name it. They own it. They claim it. And then they integrate it into their story. I have a dear friend who's in her 70s. And her name is Carrie. And Carrie is the type of person you describe as walking wisdom. And I remember one day looking at Carrie and asking her, like, how do I become more like you? How do I, how do I get there? And she said, are you sure? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> but knowing her story, pain, rejection, really difficult spaces, lots of loss, finding joy in the midst of all of it, and then I get around Carrie, she is just like positive, joyful, 
grateful, but she's wisdom. It's like all of the story of Carrie's life, all the pieces, the fragmentation, the disconnected, it all came together in Jesus and it turned into wisdom. Now, as I grow in Christ and I choose to face the hard parts of my own story and integrate it into my heart, I'm finding it less and less difficult to talk about the shameful spaces. Because somehow, even in that, Christ is able to use that to increase self-compassion, self-forgiveness, self-love, and open up the container to where it is expanding. And I'm waking up to where I'm actually standing. And I think that's the invitation of that spiritual journey is to wake up to where you're actually standing. And I'm realizing more and more that the juicy parts of my story are actually the best parts of my story. And that when I begin to open myself up to people, what it does is it actually invites them to open themselves up. This last week, I had such a good conversation with Kate and Brandon. And I do see you over there. And Kate and Brandon have been attending this space just for a few months, not too long. And we, got, uh, we did a Zoom call this week. And it was one of those conversations where I think we just like went into the deep end of the pool right away. Kate, Kate jumped in first. You like had to go into the deep end of the pool. I'm like, okay, I guess we're swimming in the deep end. This is what we're doing. But I felt such a deep connection with both of you and how we were talking about real things. They felt very real and they were hard. Some of it was hard. Some of it was, this is where we're at. And giving you bits and pieces of my own story and choosing to trust you. You actually could get me fired now, so we'll see what you're going to do with that. <laughs> but I felt like such a, for me it was somehow in Christ something is opening up. And it's that magical, mystical space where we were unified even over the digital world and reality. But something opened up inside of me. And sometimes life seems like a series of fragmented, disconnected pieces. Like, what am I going to do with this? It's like that bill that keeps showing up in the mail. You know that one? And you're like, why does this keep showing up? What am I supposed to do with it? Pay it? With what? Or that person that you love and adore that has made you feel safe all through life gets cancer. What do you do with that? Or your kids keep making bad choices. And you're like, ah, I suppose I'm supposed to just let this go. But they keep making bad choices. Or you keep pouring yourself into this thing and it's not bringing any residual back to you. But the stories that are compelling and real and engaging are other stories where we don't leave out the details, but we actually let it all sit together. And then we realize that it's actually there and it's not something that I'm going to deny or push away, but those are real bits and pieces of my story and they're real and they're in my experience right now. And so I'm choosing to look at it. And Paul reminds us and he says, don't underestimate that something is happening right here in the here and now in the present moment that God is somehow retelling our stories through the lens of Jesus. And you think about it, friends, it's almost September of 2023. Isn't that ridiculous? Here we are. And for some of you in the room, I know some of your stories. This last year has been tremendously difficult. And yet here's the reality. You're still here somehow. You're still here and you're okay. 
and you're in this space and you made it through another day. Welcome to Sunday. Congratulations, you made it into this space. And for many of us, we think that these bits and pieces of us are just out there and they're random. Or we say, these are bad parts of me that I just need to get rid of. Can I remind you that there are no bad parts of you? There are hurt parts, there are wounded parts, there are rejected parts. But there's no bad parts, there's just parts. And God's able to take all of those wounded parts, those hurt parts, those parts of you that go, ah, that part of me is ridiculous. God is able to integrate that into your story and turn it into something beautiful. But don't deny them. Don't shove them away or push them down under the surface. And I want you to get a hold of the reality that God's able to take all of that, hold all that together, put it into an equation, and sum it up into something really amazing. And I'm realizing that as I choose to show up to my life, I get to choose how I'm going to react to the circumstances that continue to come my way. I can choose joy. I can choose to be honest. I can choose to practice self-compassion and self-forgiveness. I can choose to give myself over to living with an open heart so that other hearts will open up instead of closing off and shutting down. Or I can give up. I can lie down. I can give myself over to the narrative. What's the point? Regardless of what I do, the reality is, is that somehow it's still all coming together in Christ. Whether you're like, I'm all in with this or not, Regardless of that, it still somehow is coming together under Christ. It doesn't change that reality. Here's the invitation, friends. You can open yourself up to all of it. You can choose to open up your heart. And maybe what you can choose to do is just make little tiny micro adjustments. Because let's face it, friends, maybe that's the best we can do is to make a little micro adjustment and head in the right direction. Maybe it's two steps forward and three back. Okay, You're doing the best that you can. And even if you don't believe it all right now, and it's staying in that if realm, I'm not even sure I'm buying any of this. And you're like, I've screwed up too much. According to Ephesians 1, if this is true, and what Paul is saying is true, God is retelling our stories, and he's doing a much better job at it than we are. Because we have our versions of the story, and then there's God's version of the story. And when God looks at the fragmentation He doesn't say, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? This God says, I can work with this. And what I'm asking you to consider this morning is maybe there's a better way to retell your story. Maybe you can open yourself up. Maybe there's a way to retell it, even if it seems impossible, but you can still retell your story. Maybe there's a way for you to say, I'm not going to close up. I'm not doing it this time. I'm going to remain open and I'm going to invite Christ into that space and into that part of my life and to see what he can do with it. Can he turn it into something beautiful? And maybe, maybe Christ will redeem it. Maybe Christ will retell it. Maybe Christ will give you a different version of the story. Maybe. The spiritual journey that we're on is about surrender. It's about opening ourselves up. It's about surrendering to the reality that God is expanding this space called me so that I can hold more and I can hold grief and I can hold spaces in my own heart to see what God is going to do. So we get to come to the table this morning. We get to partake of the bread and the cup which represents the living body and blood of Jesus. And as you come to the table this morning to partake of the good gift of God's grace, to remember 
that Christ's body was literally broken, fragmented, bits and pieces of it were torn in all different kinds of directions. And we didn't know what to do with it. And we thought this thing is over. And yet somehow God says all of this, all of this ripping and tearing and the fragmentation of your story is going to come back together in Jesus. And it's going to come back together in your own story. And you're going to see that you are a person who is actually living, breathing, and still moving forward. And that you're still alive and you're still here and you've still got something going in life and that God's going to do something with all of it. So when you come to the table this morning and receive the good gift of God's grace, receive it with an openness. God, I don't know what to do with any of it, but I'm giving myself to you. Thank you for this gift of your body and your blood shed for me as a sacrifice, as a, an opening, a way to me to be in right relationship with the God of the universe who spoke me into existence. We have six different tables this morning that you can choose from. And our high school students are gonna serve you the gift of God's grace this morning. So when you're ready and when you wanna move, there's three tables in the back. There's two over here. There's one over here. They also have gluten-free options for everybody. And this table is open for you. So we're gonna sit in this song Give it a moment and then come to the table and partake of the good gift of God's grace. Okay? All right.